We've got great pride and respect for the rich history of academic and athletic excellence uh, in our conference. I have milked a cow before, and I have been milked. Down on the West Coast, they got a saying. Which is peace of mind attained only through self-satisfaction and knowing you made the effort to do the best of which you're capable. I believe that's true. I want to fight somebody. I mean, I want to fight somebody right now. There was a wizard in the stands and some magic on the floor. Jim Herrick and UCLA can hang a banner in Westwood. A milestone victory for Arizona. Simon Says Championship. Welcome back to the podcast of champions and a happy 2018. It's been a few weeks since we last recorded. A lot has happened. Let's start with what I believe would be, and correct me if I'm wrong, Adam, the lowest Ken Palm rated team to ever receive our team of the week award. Uh, Scotty Colorado after a sweep over the (laughs) both. It's still just weird thinking that ASU is part of like the hardest weekend of the Pac-12, like almost evenly so, uh, as when Arizona comes to town. Like now you have to worry about both almost on an equal level. But a great two and zero homestand from a very uh, surprising Colorado team that, quite frankly, I mean we talked about it earlier, they just aren't aren't that good. But they got it done this weekend. Uh, bizarre mountain road trip for how difficult of a road trip it is. You have a, a struggling Colorado team. You have a Utah team that's played pretty well throughout the year. Um, Utah goes winless. Colorado wins both. What can you say about Colorado, gentlemen? Well, I wish you prepped me with that question because I am now trying to peek who is potentially the lowest-rated Kempop team we've ever anointed Team of the Week. I don't have Um, records of our Team of the Weeks, though. I definitely Uh, don't, but I imagine there are a few instances where we could – uh, like look at the look at the tape, the proverbial tape, and see who might have done it. Um, I was looking at Washington State last year as a potential team to have done it, um, but I didn't see anything significant out of them. I'm imagining there might be like an Arizona State last year that pulled off a big one. Um, Wouldn't have been rated really this low though. Been. What's that? I don't think they would be rated as low as Colorado is now. Um, 112 is what we're looking at right now. Arizona State was sitting in the 120s through most of the tail end of last season. Uh, they pulled off an upset of SC at home late in the season, but uh, probably didn't merit a team of the week. Nevertheless, um, yeah, Colorado was what? Losers of six of eight and then rattled off the... Uh, I don't want to call it improbable, but unlikely upset of two top 20 Ken Palm teams. I think it is worth noting. I think you can certainly call it improbable. Improbable is tough to say. Alas, I don't want to get into a semantics battle. Good point. Um, But Colorado is the biggest home court advantage, according to Ken Palm's miscellany. Um, it accounts for about uh, an additional 13 points for um, 
or something like that. I don't, I don't know. I'm reading something that I don't totally understand. Nevertheless, uh, it is the toughest home court advantage, according to Ken Pomeroy, with Iowa State and Air Force a close second. Of note, uh, Air Force um, and Wyoming, both in the top ten, also both in the top five in elevation gain when going to yeah. play at those home courts. Oh, Cody, yeah. Yeah. thoughts on that? Um, uh, I, I've never been to Colorado to be able to tell you if the elevation matters a whole lot. Um, I know some people say it, you know, it does crazy things to you. I've had other people say that it's not as bad as everyone says it is. Um, I think a lot of Colorado being able to pull off the sweep this weekend was actually due to coaching, um, which is crazy to think when, um, you know, we've talked about Tad Boyle kind of being on the hot seat a little bit. Um, he did something this week that um, was very out of the norm for him. He played zone the entire weekend. Um, when you look at Tad Boyle's history, he's very much like a Sean Miller, stick to your guns, play man-to-man all the time. And uh, even some of the announcers talked about it where uh, he had said that playing zone felt like going to the dark side. Um, which, you know, Star Wars being still relevant a little bit, um, you know, makes this a, a good conversation piece. But um, him playing zone is what beat Arizona. Him playing zone is what beat ASU. And I don't think that uh, they get wins uh, without that. I think, that's, I think that's solid analysis. Now, I can tell you that both me and Adam have been to a pair of games in Boulder, and we weren't too affected by the altitude when it came to our ability to drink till closing hour. Um, not sure how that translates to 40 minutes of basketball, but uh, it, I mean, it, it, it matters. But back to zone defense. Adam, you we've talked about this in the past, about Arizona and struggles with the zone, and you've brought up a lot of data that you have that suggests that this is merely an internet meme. It doesn't have quite as much truth to it as possible. Um, I think that after this weekend, there was a lot more internet clamoring for the Sean Miller zone kryptonite type argument. Uh, still holding by your guns on that. Oh, yeah. I, I'll continue to do it. And, you know, we, we lamented that uh, beforehand that Arizona didn't take uh, or make enough threes. I mean, do you think Arizona is a 28% three-point shooting team? I really don't think they are. Um, conversely, Colorado is not a 44% three-point shooting team. Um, there's a lot of factors that play into it. Um, but at the end of the day, like, I don't think Arizona is truly a bad defensive or excuse me, uh, a bad zone offensive team. Um, you know, cause you don't really pay attention to the games that they do win, uh, up against a zone more often than not. <laughs> it is a big gamble. Um, and in those two games, Arizona, shot seven of 25 and frankly that's the gamble that Colorado took by going into his own um and against Arizona State that's a significant gamble uh making them shoot a bunch of three-pointers and they made um what am I looking at they made they went nine for 33 that game nine for 33 again Arizona State is definitely not a 27 percent three-point shooting team so Tad Boyle made a gamble I think it's a great point to bring up Cody uh, that he took a gamble going to zone, which was against his guns, went over to the dark side, which is, an, I guess, now a doubly uh, appropriate term when you consider his glee in defeating a team under FBI investigation. 
Um, but here therein lies uh, the the. I don't know. Is it the genius of, of Tad Boyle? He took a gamble and uh, it paid off. And, you know, next time Arizona shoots 25 three pointers, I venture to guess that they're going to make more than seven of them. Well, and I don't, I don't want, I want to be clear on something. I don't think Arizona necessarily is a bad offense against the zone. Um, totally. No, know, no, no. We, so that, that's one thing that I, I just want to make sure that I was, you know, Tad wasn't going zone because Arizona was bad at it. Um, but there's something to be said for when you watch film on a team, you know, the week leading up to a game, and then you get there and they throw something else at you. Um, and that's part of what I think the first half was, was that Arizona wasn't quite ready for what Colorado was going to throw at them, and it kind of discombobulated them a little bit. Um, with that being said... And that's the point of defense. Well, yeah. To be candid. You, you want to... Con- you want to confuse the offense as much you can. You want to get them out of their set. If you're throwing something at them that they run them running, Arizona running the three-man weave around the outside of the perimeter isn't actually going to do anything, then, you know, Arizona does has no idea what to do. You know, for at least a couple possessions, maybe even a full four minutes before Sean can go, hey, uh, this isn't working. We need to switch it up. And by that point, you know, Colorado already had a 10-point lead, 12-point lead. And things just kind of snowball from there, and it um, becomes that, a little bit like it becomes a little bit like passing numbers in a in a football game when you're when you're playing from behind, right? You're gonna you're rather the the rushing yards. You're not gonna get many rushing attempts when you're playing uh, from behind. Well, yeah, and you saw a lot of Arizona trying to take some, you know, maybe ill-advised shots early in the in the shot clock that you know just trying to play with the rhythm of getting back into the game. Um, you know, there were a lot of weird things that happened to Arizona this week. Um, but before we get to Arizona, I want to talk about Colorado. Yeah. Um, I 100% don't have any problems with what Tad Boyle said about enjoy taking more joy out of um, beating Arizona when during the FBI investigation. Uh, he stuck by that comment again today um, in a follow-up. Um, I do have a problem with him not really understanding what the word ironic means, though. <laughs> Is this a little pot kettle reference? Um, it's just it's just a thing, but too many people throw it around. You know, you ask the guy, hey, do you take joy out of beating Arizona a little more when um, you know, they had the FBI investigation, and his first response is, well, you know, it's ironic we're playing Arizona. Well, no, Ted, it's not, because you're in the same conference. Touche. Yeah. Touche. Yeah. It's. Uh, I mean, it certainly was shade, and I'm. I'm with you. I saw your tweet about it, Cody. Um, to the victor go the spoils, and uh, I mean that's that's what he chose to do with his podium. Um, so be it. Well, so I think that one of the things that we're all we're all Arizona people here, and the first time I read it, I was like, oh fuck that. But this isn't about Arizona. That quote's about Colorado. It's about the pride that he's taken in doing things differently than not just. USC's and Arizona's, but I mean, from what we understand, a very, very significant portion of college basketball. And so he's made a, I mean, it's, it's more about the Colorado program and less about Arizona. Um, on top of that though, and this weekend reminded me, cause we have a, we have a couple of mutual friends in the Twitterverse from Colorado and uh, it, Colorado still very much considers Arizona to be a rivalry game in basketball. They do not like – I mean, they have a lot of respect for it, but they do not like Arizona basketball. Um, 
And, and, you know, while Arizona may have moved on from when they, when Colorado was a little bit more competitive in the conference, um, Colorado's still winning every other year in the keg, and they still consider that their biggest game of the year. So I think a little bit of, a little bit of that, and Arizona fans need to maybe not take it so much on themselves and realize, oh, right, this is more about Colorado, and they take this rivalry really seriously. Well, and, that, and that's more, that quote is more about Colorado. But, I mean, I think the ironic part, if you really wanted to see the true meaning of the word... You better use this right. It's interesting that he would say, you know, take so much pleasure in that when, um, you know, I'm sure we, we all would agree that it would be incredibly out of character for college basketball for Colorado to never have been uh, involved in a situation like that. Not necessarily saying that you know, they have paid players or done something similar, but I'm sure they were in one of the, they've been in a conversation like that at some point. Someone's come to them and said, hey, you know, I want to come to your school. This is my price. You know, there's there's something to be said for the state of college basketball as a whole and not just, you know, a few coaches here and there. Anything to add, Adam? No, I mean, without the inner working, without knowing all the inner workings, I mean, it's it's interesting to see who's kind of said what uh, throughout this whole situation. A lot of coaches have kind of rallied as, as something of a, I don't know, a brotherhood or uh, supported colleagues or, or kind of chose to stay out of it. Others have chose to um, speak out, <clears throat> um, you know, it's, you know, I guess to each their own, but uh yeah, um, it's to me the, the the true sense of ironic is that no one's squeaky clean in any of this, um, but you know others are others are implicit in other ways. So, uh, yeah. But we don't talk too much about the FBI on this podcast, at least not until not until we know what we're talking about for sure. Well, um, we'll close the book on that. Let's go back to our weekly segment: Is Arizona State for real? Um, a lot's happened since we last discussed this. They have lost two games, although an impressive uh, last-minute or late um, win in Utah. Uh, what do you guys think? Where do you guys stand on Arizona State? Has your opinion changed much since league play? I think they're the real deal. I, I think we all maintain that they're not the third-best team in the country. Um, at a moment, they were, but... Uh, I don't know, this is still a team that's going to be dangerous for a very long time as you start to get more consistent efforts out of some of the younger guys. Um, but I'll tell you what, this is this much is for sure. I don't think there are five better players in the country right now than Trey Holder. Um, I really think he is uh, a first-team All-American at this moment. Cody, what are your thoughts? Arizona State. <laughs> I think it's really interesting. Um, the way you look at an ASU um, versus a team like Arizona. Um, they're two very, very different teams, um, and they're at the two very different crossroads in you know, the programs. Um, I think ASU is absolutely for real, um, but I also think that their success comes off of playing a type of basketball that is, for lack of a better term, gambling. It's risky. Gambling. It's um, 
<laughs> I went. I wanted to say risky, but I couldn't find the word until after I had to gamble, which makes me look stupid. But yeah, it's a risky type of basketball, and that's what you saw this weekend. That's what you saw against Arizona. They're a team who they do offense. They roll the balls out and let the guys run, which is you know what a majority of recruits out in the world want, and that's why ASU looks like such an attractive option to a lot of guys. They have a great recruiting class that's lined up just to play this type of basketball. But playing that type of basketball also doesn't afford you a whole lot of defense. And so if your run-and-gun style offense is somehow shut down by, say, a Tad Boyle zone, then you run into problems where you have to play defense and you also have to continue trying to score uh, in different ways. And so that's kind of where ASU's at right now is that um, I think next year and the year afterwards – they're going to be a lot better as long as they keep restocking the shelves with talent that can score uh, in bunches. Um, but definitely right now, I think they're probably the number two team in the conference. Um, and they kind of got a bad break at Colorado, but they're the real deal for sure. Definitely the real deal. Here's one thing to just throw out there. I do think it is hard to find shooters, and that is a team that's taking – a lot of three-pointers, and Trey Holders is as gifted a shooter as there is in the, in the conference right now. Obviously, there's a Remy Martin and a Shannon Evans, but, um, you know, I do think, and you've seen this a lot at Arizona, where they've recruited at a really high level, uh, but it is often hard to find those young guys uh, that can stroke it. Um, Spence, we haven't gotten quite your stance on ASU's uh, ASU is the real deal or otherwise. Well, so my opinion hasn't really changed from when they were undefeated, and we kind of all, um, and it's too bad we didn't get a chance to really talk about the Arizona-Arizona State game, but we all sort of expected, you and me, Adam expected comfortable Arizona wins. They, um, Cody, you expected a lot of volatility, and we were both kind of right because Arizona was in command by double digits for a good portion of that game before things got real volatile in the end. But nothing's really changed in that. I, they're for real. They're a team that I expect to see in the regionals. Um, they're a team that I don't think is a Final Four team, the same way they did three weeks ago. But it will be interesting to see. I mean, one of the things that I always have to ask about kind of new conversation, new contender conversation teams is how are you going to do on the road? I mentioned it earlier this year with USC, and that's completely fallen off the uh, rails. But how is uh, Arizona State going to do on the road on the games that aren't, you know, or you get used to on paper it's easy, but on road it's much more difficult. Utah wins great, but if they can blow through the Bay Area in two relatively easy road games, um, I want to see a little bit more of what they can do on the road. I expect them to win at home very often. I expect them to beat Arizona at home, um, but how would how would you rate how would you rate a win at Fog Allen Fieldhouse? Yeah, it's great, um, but that's a little bit different than conference road play. I think. Oh, totally. Um, well, so I, I think I think when you look at what they did this weekend, sure the loss to Arizona on the road uh, was not great. But when you think about what it takes to succeed in the Pac-12, you know, winning at home and splitting on the road is what you do to be successful. Um, and so far, they haven't shown to be, you know, that to have deviated from that recipe. Yeah. Yeah. So, it- you know, I, I, I think they're still in the right spot. Um, you know, dropping one or two on the road isn't um, particularly bad, especially with the Colorado-Utah, where that's probably one of the tougher trips in the conference. Country. 
Yeah, that's, that's a tough one. My question is, I mean, like, how are they going to do in the Bay Area road trip, which is harder than it looks on paper, and the Washington road trip, which is like, you know, those are, you look at those as four gimme wins, but it's never easy to do that. So I think those are the road trips that I want to see them just completely ace. And then I'll, that's the difference between a, a good team and an excellent team in conference is do you sweep, do you sweep road trips that you technically should sweep? And that's something that not a lot of teams can do. So it's really hard to do. So that's what I want to see from Arizona state is I want to see them sweep in the Bay area and sweep in Washington. And if they can do that, while those don't seem like huge, significant achievements, they'll they'll go a long way in my book. Well, and even dialing it back a minute, let's see how they can fare in what has been a difficult to understand, but still very young Oregon team Thursday night uh, as they that team comes to Tempe. Um, I mean, that's a team that's starting to fight for its tournament lives. I hate saying that on January 9th um, or eighth, but that's the reality kind of where Oregon is no nevertheless you know Cody you talk about teams with uh talent and kind of freed up to to run and gun a little bit that's often been what Oregon has been able to do and and they just aren't quite getting it done right now um so that's a big one for for Arizona State um you know I think even before you get to the Bay Area because I disagree with you a little bit there Spencer Sanford Cal road trip is about as cupcake as it gets especially when you consider Washington's plan uh, pretty decent ball, or at least punching above its weight right now. Sure, but I don't, I don't, I... oh, sorry, they didn't. What? They didn't do it last year. Um, you know, they didn't. I mean, they weren't a better, better team last year. But like, how often do people sweep the, the Bay Area? They're not good teams, but it's still. I mean, sweeps, still... road sweeps are are rare, uh, regardless of. See, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is. Is, is show me some road sweeps, ASU. <laughs> Because that's like the difference between a good team and like, hey, this is a great team. Cody, you were saying something? Well, uh, you know, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. Um, and look forward, you know, looking ahead to that ASU Oregon game, you know, I can give you my thoughts on Oregon in a moment. But I think that before we do that, if we're talking about the Bay Area, we need to um, recognize what may not have been the team of the week, but certainly the most exciting team of the week um, in Stanford. Um, two two great wins at home, protecting the home court, uh, beating UCLA and USC. Um, UCLA, I think it was double overtime. They had three or four players that fouled out. Um, the two big men, uh, Reed Travis, um, or Travis Reed. I can never remember. It's two first names. <laughs> um, and Reed, Reed Travis. Michael Humphreys. Yeah, Reed Travis and I Michael Humphreys both, both going out early with foul trouble. Um, the way they beat UCLA was really good. Um, and then if no one saw it because it was hidden on Fox Sports 1 at about 10 o'clock Mountain Time, um, was Stanford-USC in which Dejon Davis hit a half-court shot to win the game. Um, that was a tremendous finish. I enjoyed watching both ends of those games. I think Stanford's going to be a lot more difficult at home than a lot of people gave them credit for. Um, they're also a team that looks like it's starting to get things going right at the right time. I, I mean, I, I, I don't <laughs> disagree with you. I think a home loss to Cal is about the worst loss you can have in a Power Five conference um, out there. I do think, obviously, UCLA USC wins flip that script, 
But holy cow, a home loss to Cal when you're up 17 late uh, is an ugly, ugly, irrevocable. <laughs> I'm, I'm just, I'm just throwing out words. Um, but that's pretty, that's 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 pretty poor. Um, but at the end of the day, you, you you are right, Cody. They do have wins against UCLA and USC. Um, you know, regardless of the trajectory of either of those teams. Uh, both are amongst the most talented in the conference, and frankly, I think the Stanford team is 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 playing way under expectations. I think the the roster is far more talented uh, than it appeared than it than it has performed. Um, the Davis kid uh, is was a highly touted recruit, and I now they're I know they're now just now getting Dorian Pickens back into the mix of things, but he's certainly a guy that has played very well. Uh, for three years at Stanford, and, and with as he gets a little bit more further integrated, uh, you know we'll see a better. Uh, we should see a better product out of uh, uh, <coughs> the the Cardinal. But what I imagine you were th- uh, saying, Cody, was that if, if Colorado gets serious points for doing the improbable, uh, let's at least acknowledge the improbable that Stanford did because they had nothing on the season that would suggest they would perform this uh, sweep, even though it was at home. Um, so I'll give you props there. I certainly don't expect the ship to be righted or for them to even make a remote turnaround uh, this year, however. Although I do agree with you, Adam. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, wasted talent on, on this team right now. But um, let's not spend any more time talking about Stanford. Uh, let's go real quickly to – well, let's talk about – before we get to Arizona, I'll just get it out of the way. When you want to talk about a team that, that might have a chance at, at actually garnering some attention in a, in a month or two, um, and I guess it was talked about on some national podcasts, but Washington's got a pretty interesting profile that I think at one point – we haven't talked about Washington all year, except for how did they beat Kansas. And, you know, now they stand at 12-4, and four, no bad losses. All their losses are pretty much in the top 50, Ken Palm, Providence 57. And they got wins at – USC and at Kansas or semi away at Kansas. Uh, is there any reason to suggest in a year where the bottom of the, of the conference is God awful and there's not really much of an established second tier that Washington can somehow stay in this position um, and have a decent, you know, a decent postseason? If not, I mean, at large is pretty, uh, that's, that's a little bit wishful thinking, but they at least be in the mix for an NIT bid, uh, something that no one saw coming. I mean, they're playing. We talk about Stanford underachieving. How much is Washington overachieving? They're significantly overachieving. I mean, I think just by efficiency margins, et cetera, they're sitting probably <coughs> about two wins ahead of where they should be. Uh, you mentioned they are Ken Palm's luckiest team in the country right now, basically uh, a measure of how a team is – performing or succeeding outside of expectations, expectations being established uh, by uh, those adjusted efficiency uh, margins on Ken Palm. But, uh, you know, as you look where they sit now, two and one in conference uh, with the two worst teams in the conference coming to visit, Cal and Stanford, again, by Ken Palm ratings, um, or yeah, close to it. um, They've got a chance to be sitting at four and one heading into the daunting uh, mountain trip. And without just like walking down the Washington uh, schedule right now, because no one wants to hear that. This is, this is a team that, um, you know, I think is 
is is talented. They they certainly had some players on that roster that could play. They are uh, you know adopting the whole uh, Bayheim two three zone look, which is very brand new for the Pac twelve conference. I don't know if anybody <laughs> has played a majority in this conference in forever. <clears throat> Uh, the closest thing to that sort of uh, transformational coaching that we've seen was Washington State uh, with Tony Bennett and the advent of the slow-it-down pack line defense. And we saw that that had some magnificent uh, changes across the conference, if not called parts of college basketball. So um, am I am I calling uh, Mike Hopkins, the, co- the conference's newest coach, um, you know, a, a, a world-changing uh, mastermind probably not but to date he's done a really good job with a very new system um, and it'll be interesting to see uh, how they uh, if they can keep it up frankly but you do know that is a pretty darn good resume they have about halfway through this season Cody any thoughts on the Huskies um, they are a very interesting team um, they're kind of in the Oregon vote for me um, where I've seen ty- them at times this year that they've looked like a wonderful team and I'm just, you know, thinking about how great they're going to be a year from now or two years from now. Um, and they've also had plenty of times this season I've watched them and said, Oh man, this team is not very good at times. Um, just look at Washington state, Washington this week, that game was ugly for a lot of reasons. Um, (laughs) you know, I, I, I'm a big fan of Washington state, uh, just because, you know, I, I like Ernie Kent probably more than I should. Um, <laughs> well, at least you know it. How much, how much should one like yeah. Ernie Kent is a great question. He seems like a fantastic character, I will say that much. Um, I'm, I'm, I enjoy, I won't say I'm a big fan of, but I enjoy um, a lot of the character coaches. I'm, uh, you know, I enjoy Mike Leach in football. Um and I enjoy Ernie Kent. Um, just I enjoy those sorts of coaches in general. Um, <laughs> I like Ernie Kent as a coach. I like him as a person. I don't think Washington State's very good. Um, they have a great couple of good pieces, but we are not talking about Washington State. We're talking about Washington and Oregon. Um, that game was a lot closer than it should have been. Um, and I think part of that is the Washington defense. I think Washington's defense is going to do to them what Arizona's defense and Syracuse's defense does to them, where if you play a lot of defensive-minded games, you're also going to have a lot of close games that shouldn't be that close. Um, And while they may win those games, it's going to look ugly, and it's going to throw off your perception of how good that team actually is because you don't quite know if they're just playing a lot of ugly basketball and getting some lucky wins or – if that's what they're meaning to do, and that's how they win basketball games. So the Washington or the Syracuse style defense systemically plays down or up to its opponents. I, w- I would say most defensive teams play down to their opponents. Okay. Um. Well, as a as as a generality, I don't want to get I don't want to get angry hate tweets. You know. The 97 so-and-sos were wonderful. They blew everyone out and held teams to 10 points. I, mean, I don't I don't care. I'm saying I'm general. <laughs> average. <laughs> well, maybe we There's... should uh, table the discussion for next week because, like you said, it's a big – I mean, they'll, they'll have the barrier schools at home. If they come out of that unscathed, 
They go through a little bit of a murderer's row. You go to the mountains. You do a rivalry game at home against Wazoo. You host Arizona, and then you go to Oregon. So a lot left there. But to answer your question, Adam, is Mike Hopkins the new thing? He might be the new Wayne Tinkle in this conference. Ooh. Or if I were Cody, I'd say he might be, <laughs> um, you know, the new Ernie Kent. Since obviously Cody has some previously unmentioned affections towards Ernie Kent well, that run so way deeper than anyone ever thought. Well, I have a special place in my heart for all of the old uh, early 2000s coaches in the Pac-12. Yeah. Adam, you had something to add there? No, I was just going to use uh, all this Ernie Kent talk to transition into what Cody has now twice alluded to as some takes on the Oregon Ducks. If you can, speaking of early 2000s coaches. Go ahead. Um, I, I like them as a team. I think they have a lot of talent. I think they're just not putting it together right now. Um, there's times where it looks like um, Dana Altman is a genius on the court, and there's times that it looks like Dana Altman has no control whatsoever. <laughs> um, and, and that's just an Oregon thing. That's just like the ASU, the style they play. Um, that's not a knock on Dana Altman at all. Um, I think he's a fantastic coach. Um, shares hometown with uh, you know Tucson radio host Mike Luke, who will appreciate that shout-out. Um, but it's just one of those things where they're a team that's going to be good, and they're a team that's going to be bad. And I know that's not good analysis, <laughs> um, but it's just, you know, they're hit and miss right now because they don't really have a lot of senior leadership. They have a lot of young pieces. Um, they have some good defensive players, which I think will help them maybe next year and the year after. Um, I just think they're a little too inexperienced right now to hang in there when they need to to win the big games. They have absolutely no resume right now. Um, they have the best win on the season away to Fresno State. Their only other top 100 Ken Palm win, an OT win over DePaul in what I'm imagining was the uh, Phil Knight classic. Um, they got nothing. And they're about to go to Arizona and then host the L.A. schools. Um, I mean, obviously, this is a pretty crucial stretch for them. They need to start... Um, you know, but I don't, I don't expect them to get any wins this weekend, and I don't expect them to sweep at home against the LA schools, although that's largely doable. Um, but we'll certainly know a little bit more after these four games. Adams, do you, do you have anything to add about Oregon? No, I mean, I think it's a, it, it, it was going to be a tough thing, uh, for, for Dana Allman to make this team extremely successful. Uh, he's had a lot of success in the past. Uh, with teams that didn't have a lot of continuity from the, the year prior. Uh, but this year, uniquely enough, compared to all of his other seasons there, he wasn't adding uh, guys with uh, D1 experience, but rather adding guys uh, who were 18-year-olds and a lot of freshmen. And, 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 you know, as we see a lot at Arizona and even look at Kentucky this year, um, sometimes it's tough to win with freshmen. It's something I think – Strangely enough, we don't talk enough about um, that freshmen aren't always great. Um, we are in an era when uh, freshmen do uh, dominate the news cycle. Um, but sometimes it's a little bit tougher having just Peyton Pritchard there to kind of be the leader of that team. He's just a sophomore. Uh, does set it up for a pretty unique 
uh, roster configuration. But a uh, lot of talent there, and certainly uh, a team that could knock anyone in the conference off on a given night. All right. Um, let's move on and, cl- and close with, uh, with Arizona. We haven't really talked too much about them. I mean, we, we kind of went off on a little bit of a tangent with Colorado. But um, how much stock do you take into Sean Miller's postgame comments about how he can't reach this team, he can't motivate him, he can't get him to play? There's obviously some truth there. There's obviously some Sean uh, Miller press gamesmanship that he's certainly done in the past. Uh, how much of each? I mean, how much of this is motivating his team by maybe exaggerating some of the, the realities of, of, of their chemistry and their leadership and their connection to their coach? And how much of it's real? Uh, I mean, I, I, I'll take it a quick step backwards and, and, and note that uh, I thought we had already talked about Arizona. and wasn't totally positive we were going to be coming back to them, which I thought was apt considering – uh, as we said, the mountain road trip is the toughest uh, in the conference. Up there is the toughest in the country. So I don't want to make any grasping conclusions uh, from this loss. That said, those Sean Miller uh, comments did give me some pause uh, to think, is there more behind the performance of the weekend? Alonzo Trier took uh, zero free throws at Colorado. Um, DeAndre Ayton... Uh, excuse me, Dusan Ristic uh, was what, like 10 of 26 or something from the field? He did not have a very good performance. Um, you know, there are some things performance-related or effort-related, uh, and you add those things up, uh, and it is cause for concern. But, um, you know, one of the things Sean Miller has lamented in the past with this team is its talent level. Um, he's no longer talking about its talent. He's now kind of, you know, if we're trying to read between the lines or hear coaches speak, um, if they're not going to get to play for for him, uh, maybe he can get them to play for each other, and this may be a means to, to get them to do that. But, um, you know, without knowing too much of the inner workings, uh, I'm not entirely sure. But it certainly looks like uh, they have not adopted on a – certainly at least not on a 40-minute 40, 40 basis uh, a full Sean Miller game just yet. Um, Cody? Um, it, it's – I got to be careful with the way that I want to say this because I think there's a lot of things that are going on here and there's a lot of things that it could be or couldn't be. Um, And I feel like I've been giving you that answer to every question tonight. Um, But I think part of it is is that he doesn't know how to reach them. And that's not necessarily a knock on him. I think that it's just something that is happening with this day and age. When you look at some of their faces out there when they're getting blown out by 15, 20 points against Colorado – you know, it almost looks like they don't care, which isn't necessarily something that Sean can really help them with. And so I do think that part of it is, like you said, that he wants them to play for each other and not necessarily just him. But I also think that he's just struggling to connect with them on, a you know, the higher level that he's had with some of his teams previously. You know, that being said... You know, I think part of it is also leading up, you know, it sets the groundwork to a cop-out later on where, you know, Arizona flames out in the second round, doesn't even make it the second weekend, and we just turn this thing back around to this team didn't want to play, they didn't care, you know, things like that. So it's a lot of different things at play there, Um, but I think, you know, the main thing is just that 
he's having trouble getting to this team. They're very talented. Um, they have a lot of players who get NBA scouts. You, you hear announcers talk about GMs coming to practices, GMs coming to games, scouts coming to games. A lot of them are thinking, hey, you know, we're good enough to be in the NBA. Maybe we don't have to play as hard. And then you get games like Colorado where you come out, you don't play very hard, and you find yourself down 17 points at halftime. Yeah. A lot of that's, a lot of that's mental, and, you know, it, it takes the right mindset to walk into a road game against Colorado in the altitude, which may or may not affect them, and come out fired up and be ready to play. Well, a lot of it's physical, and we talked about it already, but this is one of the only road trips where you have to fly in between games. Um, and they they played, you know, Thursday night, and they played at 11 a.m. Pacific time on Saturday. So I think that had something to do with it. It was a very uninspired, inspiring first 20 minutes of basketball from the Cats, uh, particularly on defense. I mean, if offense isn't going down, so be it. But the defense was... Um, just kind of not even there. I do give Colorado a ton of credit, though, because when Arizona comes storming back and is down three, I think is what they cut it to, uh, you know, down, they, they've gone from 14th to half or 16th to half to three within about, I don't know, 10 minutes. You're thinking it's over. It's totally over. Um, Colorado fights back, and we already talked about it. Tab Boyle's a good coach. He's, he's getting more out of his players right now. As far as Arizona, I mean, are we still thinking, I mean, I still contend that they are as talented as any team in the country, but this is a weekend where we saw a lot of teams fall. Um, not all of them fell to teams as bad as Colorado. At what point can we sit back also and just say, this is college basketball? I think, I think right away. Uh, it's almost the, the first thing that comes to mind for me. Um, especially as Cody alludes to some of the stuff about connecting to some of these guys and how we might uh, <clears throat> evaluate um, really what's going on. I think this is a young team with some strange dynamics when you consider, um, you know, it's got the proverbial leadership that isn't the best player on a night in and night out basis. And it's got, you know, best player leadership that seems to be a little bit mercurial and checked out at different times. And so, you know, those powers combined and not a ranked opponent on the sideline every single night, um, it gets tough to self-motivate. And, and sometimes that's what happens for kids, especially when they come into a program that promises the bright lights um, and a chance to compete for Final Fours. I can tell you in the dog days of January and February, uh, it doesn't feel like CBS. It doesn't feel like you're the, you're, you're, you're the big deal uh, across the nation, um, you know, when there's college football playoffs going on, there's NFL playoffs, there's, uh, the NBA at its peak, um, <clears throat> um, peak draw in, in years. And I know it's the same sport, but it does take away from a lot of the attention that perhaps college basketball gets, especially in a year like this, Spencer, as you noted, where there isn't necessarily an elite team. Um, are we making a bunch of excuses? Maybe, um, but there are there is reason to to kind of excuse uh, the up and down nature, and it doesn't make Arizona a unique team. I think it makes it a pretty normal team. Um, and if you just go by raw talent evaluation, uh, anytime certainly what he did this weekend, anytime you got DeAndre Ayton on the floor, uh, I'm going to probably be picking that team. Yeah. 
And it's, it's interesting time when you talk about motivation. Arizona is about to enter a stretch where they don't play a lot of difficult games over the next seven. They're gonna they're gonna host the Oregon schools. They're gonna be heavy favorites in each. They're gonna do what you know we think is the easiest road trip. Cal and Stanford, are two of the worst teams in the conference, and they'll go back to home against the Mountain schools, um, and then go to Washington. I mean, how are they gonna? Um, what's what's a good? I mean, is, is those just gotta be wins? Are we gonna freak out at any sign of uh, if they lose any of those? How do you stay motivated during that stretch? Well, I, I think it's if we want to talk about motivation just before we get to those games, I think it's another interesting dynamic that you look at the Colorado game and, you know, they knew ASU had just lost there two days ago. So I don't necessarily think that it's all about motivation all the time, but you know, that's something to think to consider when you look at this is that, you know, they had seen what happens when a ranked team goes in there and doesn't play well. Um, but moving forward, um, absolutely, I think that Arizona probably needs to go at least five and one over the next six, if not six and zero. Oh. Um, the only game that I think uh, there's two games that I actually think are sneaky contenders, and that is um, Oregon at home yeah. and Stanford on the road. Okay. Um, the other schools, you know, you you shouldn't have Arizona shouldn't have any issue with the other schools. Um, as we've seen through college basketball, that's something crazy. Um, I thought Michigan State was probably locked into another, you know, three or four weeks at least as the number one team in the country, and look what how that happened. So um, you know, it's something that just to keep an eye on uh, every night could be uh, the night that some uh, lesser team gets hot. Uh, quick question: Would you agree with me that Arizona can maybe say goodbye to the two? Three seed line with this loss. Um, I don't, I don't think that they'd say goodbye to it completely. Um, they probably have to win out and win the Pac-12 to get a two seed right now. Um, three seed is probably maybe a loss or two, and the conference title. Uh, it depends on a lot of other teams though as well. Um, you, you know, you assume that. <laughs> Um, Duke, Michigan State, and Villanova are the three one seeds right now with um, maybe Oklahoma looking at that, that fourth one seed. Uh, I know they just lost as well. Did you just name four teams that lost this weekend? I mean, I don't, <laughs> yes, and that's, I, I don't mean that as a criticism. It's just like that's what's going on. Um, yeah. it's, it's, and those, those, I think I could agree, are the four best teams in the country. But, um, you know, it's those teams all lost to rank unranked opponents if i'm not mistaken except oklahoma oklahoma lost the top 10 yeah so i mean there there's a lot of teams out there that um you know are very good who are losing and so um you know if that continues that trend continues and you have the dukes and the villanovas and the michigan states lose two or three more games and arizona only loses one or wins out or something like that um you know, crazier things have happened for teams to get one seeds. I mean, I think Gonzaga only has one or two losses right now. Um, if they storm through the West Coast, you know, who knows what they're going to be at. So it, it just depends on other teams. Um, but I think Arizona is in a back-against-the-wall position for um, some sort of home court advantage in tournament right now. 
Okay, I think that should do it. We're almost at 50 minutes. Um, good pod. Yeah, it was a good pod. It's going to be back. We should uh, try to do this every week. I am actually have no travel conflicts until next month. So hopefully we can do that. Um, but for now, uh, we'll have to wait and see. Not a crazy exciting week this week in the conference. Let me take one quick look. Who's playing who here? Um, yeah, I mean, keep an eye on the mountain schools uh, while they're going to L.A. I mean, keep an eye on Utah this week. I'd like to see Utah get a win or two on the road. That's a team that – that's one of the few teams we're looking at in this conference that could maybe put together a tournament resume, and it would have to start I, this weekend. I made a hot take last week that Utah was going to finish second in the conference. They didn't really back me up by uh... – <laughs> losing losing to Arizona State, but um you know, here's to hoping. Hey. So before we I I have another question though, and this is this is a time travel question for you guys. If Arizona pulls out the win against Colorado, is that the conference? Yeah, I I, I was ready to, to yeah. anoint Arizona Grand champions of the world, one scene of the West. But I mean, I was thinking all sorts of things. I was super impressed with that Utah win. I mean, I think Utah got crazy uh, hot from from the perimeter. There's not, there's no thinking there. They were absolutely crazy hot from the perimeter. And um, you know, I thought Arizona responded really aggressively and impressively uh, to that stretch. But um, you know, I was. You know, I was proved wrong, and I guess it comes back to some of the motivation stuff. I don't. To your point, Cody, I think it was really, really accurate. Um, this team is cut from a little bit of a different cloth than Sean Miller, um, who's you know a constant grinded out, hard nosed guy. Um, and some teams just are motivated differently. Um, and I think uh, you know Sean Miller's still trying to get uh, get his arms around what that looks like. And we'll close with that. Uh, Nice pod, guys. We'll see you same time next week. Please like, share, subscribe, and catch us next week for the podcast of Champions. Take care. Good night.